Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the show. Todd Zwillick filling in for John Hockenberry and Celeste Headley. All right, two moments now, and I want you to really be honest. Search your feelings, okay? Which is more glorious to you? Listen to this first. Which is more glorious? And here comes Phelps to the wall! And gets it done! Another strong finish by Phelps! Now that's a moment full of glory, but what about this? Touchdown confirmed. We're safe on live. Now that second cut, of course, Mission Control of the Mars Curiosity Mission in Pasadena, California at JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, earlier this week. These guys and gals flew a vehicle 350 million miles to Mars, slowed down from 30,000 miles per hour, then lowered a robot the size of an SUV gently onto the Martian surface. Now, meanwhile, back on Earth... NASA is reveling in a new star of its own. Just Google NASA Mohawk guy, and you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. He's Bobak Fredosi. He's a 26-year-old flight director on the Mars Curiosity mission, the guy with some awesome hair. And now America is forced to ask itself this question, who would you rather marry, an all-time Olympic record holder like Michael Phelps or NASA's dashing punk rock Mars landing mission control hunk. Bobic, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. What a thrill. All right, I'm going to start off with something that might embarrass you a little bit. Don't <laughs> worry, we're going to talk about the mission. Trust me. Here we go. I just fell in love with a flight director at NASA, Bobic Ferdowsi. Marry me, tweets out loud. <laughs> Marry me? Marry me again? <laughs> Marry me, hot Mohawk nerd flight director. I think they're talking about you, my man. Uh, I think that uh, that's a little crazy, uh, but it's it's really flattering. The series of tweets that I was reading uh, off of Twitter on the night that Mars Curiosity landed on the planet. Now, you got a lot of attention, I guess, because of the haircut, but also your age. And aside from the excitement about the mission, that which we're going to talk about, there's some excitement about you. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it's really flattering in the sense, and it's cool that in some way I think that, that I sort of let people see that NASA can have all sorts of faces and all sorts of looks. Uh, I think, you know, people's traditional, uh, thought of NASA is definitely a little different than what I look like, but, but it really, uh, our team is actually a pretty good cross section, I would say. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe a little bit more out there, but, uh, it takes all types to, to make these Mars rovers work. Um, I had read that there's a different haircut for each mission. Is that the case? Yeah. So for each of the big events on our project, I've had a a cut to sort of celebrate that, uh, to make it you know a little bit more um, just kind of fun. Uh, and for launch, I had a, a special kind of launch haircut. This time it was voted on by the team. They, the, my boss put out an email to everybody with a link to an online poll. And they uh, they voted for this one, which is fortunate because some of the other options would have been would have been much worse. 
Now, what were the other options? I have to ask. I believe there were some write-ins for uh, Reverse Mohawk. Oh boy! Uh, there was a bright, bright Mars red. I think one person wanted me to shave Gale Crater into my head. So uh, I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out. You know, I cover politics for a living, and you know, there's a there's an axiom of presidential politics. Everybody's worried about Mitt Romney right now. The uh, VP pick is not supposed to outshine the main guy. And for the moment, you're kind of outshining the rover up there. I mean, this is about Mars Curiosity and everybody's paying attention to you. Uh, it, no, it's still totally about Mars Curiosity. And I think people are just surprised that uh, that there's there's a, a guy like me on this project. Uh, like I said, it's it, we have all sorts of people on this project. I, I'm just one of them. And, and I'm just really... You know, it's amazing to me still that I get to be a part of something so cool. So let's talk about the mission. Um, there are two other American rovers on the surface as we speak, right? These are Mars Curiosity is the largest, most sophisticated, but not the first rover that you guys have landed on Mars. And I've always wanted to sort of understand over the last couple of weeks how the weight of Curiosity, the size of an SUV, as everyone says, correct me that it, how much does it weigh? Uh, it weighs uh, about almost a one metric ton, so about two thousand, almost two thousand pounds. Even on Mars, a little bit less, maybe. Uh, well, it weighs significantly less on Mars, of yeah. course. So that helps. Um, but the, yeah. the so the the challenge of landing uh, one metric ton on the surface of, of a distant planet, you couldn't. Dr- the other ones you dropped down, nestled in a big balloon. You kind of dumped them on the surface, uh, if I can be so crude. You know, sort of nestled in bubble wrap. This was a this was a <laughs> lot harder. It was. Uh, the, the bubble wrap just doesn't scale up well to when you want to put a bigger rover down or anything that weighs more down. And, and we wanted to because we were really trying to carry a lot more science instruments this time. We're, we're, we're having, we have about 15 to 16 times the mass of science instruments that the previous rovers did. So in order to do that, you've, you've got to have a bigger rover. Now you've got um, spec- spectroscopy, right? You've got ovens, yes. and I. Everybody's been wondering about the ovens, and I assume that the function of a nuclear-powered oven is so that you can take rocks, dust, heat them up, and then let Curiosity sort of taste the gas, sample the gas, and find out what what the chemical components are. Do I have it ab- about that's, right? That's a very good description. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. We basically cooked the the rocks to look for volatile uh, organic compounds that are in there. That's a, it's probably a little technical, but but long story short, we're, we're basically baking it so that you can get all those exciting, uh, what we, what we hope we find are organic, um, molecules that the same kind of things that you might find on earth. Now, everybody wants to say that you're looking for life. Is that really true that you're trying to find microbes or fossilized microbes? Or are you doing something else? It would be completely fortuitous if we did. No, uh, the answer is we're looking for, we're we're looking for one step shy of life, which is do the ingredients for life uh, exist on Mars, and or, or could Mars have ever supported life at one point or another? So we're basically looking for all the things that we have on Earth that allow life to to thrive, and we want to know if any time in Mars history, including today, if those things are still around. Now we have water, ice that was found with previous yeah. rover missions. Uh, that's that's one building block. We need carbon, right? What else do we need? Um, well, it, like I said, we're looking a little bit for those organic uh, compounds. Uh, things like methane are uh, gases that we think only you know microbes or certain ev- uh, volcanic events can create on, on um, planets. Uh, uh, amino acids, things like that, are all uh, you know these these kind of complex carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, uh, nitrogen things. Those are all the the sorts of chemical elements of what we're looking for. And the instruments that, that you mentioned um, or alluded to, Kemen and Sam. 
those are chemical and mineralogy, and the SAM is the one that has the, the lasers and the evidence, the spectrometer. Those are the ones that will help us to actually find those, those elements. Bobak, let's talk a bit about what's first on the agenda now for Curiosity. You've landed on the planet now. We've all seen some amazing panoramic high-definition photos taken by Curiosity. They're absolutely awesome. Now, you can see some tracks behind the rover. It looks like it drove a bit and sort of did a circle and then took a nice picture. So what's, what's first on the agenda in terms of movement or science? Well, we actually haven't uh, driven yet at all. Uh, we're sitting uh, – one, we took – we raised the mast up. And we took uh, basically a, a self-portrait, uh, including the panorama of the horizon, which is what you, you saw a lot of. Um, you do see a couple of features off to the side that are actually the result of the thrusters from the sky crane that will have brushed off some of the surface um, sediment. I think that's what you're seeing a lot of. Oh, so I, I didn't see – it looked like wheel tracks that had kind of gone in a circle, but that, that's not what they are? Uh, They're not tracks? Nothing yet. Okay. Yeah, no driving yet. Um, but the first couple of days, we did a checkout. We, uh, what, uh, like I said, we raised the mass. So now we have a seven-foot-tall, basically, uh, observer on Mars. Uh, we've also checked out our high-gain antenna, which allows us to talk directly to Earth, uh, although we use the, the two uh, orbiters as well. And uh, then we've done the panoramas, the upcoming SALs, uh, as we call them, uh, Days on Mars. Those are going to uh, basically install the new software that is more optimized around doing the surface mission. So once we have that software uh, installed on board, we'll basically be set up to do all the the exciting surface stuff, including driving, putting the arm out, uh, and all those things. All right, let's. I, I want to go back to some of the moments that everybody has seen on the news, but it's worth reliving, Bobek, since we've got you here on the air. I want to <laughs> just play a bit of sound that I, I'm sure that you're not yet sick of listening to. I mean, how could you be? Listen to this. Touchdown confirmed. We're safe on Mars. I mean, all of that, people yelling so loud it overmodulated and it sounds all crackly because there's just that much excitement in mission control. What did that feel like? Uh, it was a, just an absolutely amazing experience. You, you know, uh, for so many of us, including myself, we've spent years on this project and uh, long hours, our families and friends and I sort of put up with uh, you know some of the extraordinary efforts that people had to 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 put together to make this happen, um, so you what you saw there was just that outpouring of emotion of satisfaction that we had just landed on Mars, that whole shared uh, experience that the team had, uh, and uh, you, it just all came out in that moment, and it, it, yeah, it was overpowering. And far from a far from a sure thing. I mean, you guys might have had a based on history a fifty or sixty percent chance of never hearing from the vehicle again after that seven minutes of silence or seven minutes of torture, whatever it was called. Yeah, you try to put on a brave uh, face and hope for the best, of course, but that's, yeah, that's always in the back of your mind that uh, this, is, this is a risky adventure, and uh, we were so ecstatic, of course, that it, that it went so well. Well, so were we. So you're flight director, is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm one of a team of three, three or four people who rotate through that position. All right. So what do you you go to the uh, surface ops center, as it's called, which is which is uh, which you said is your new home on Twitter. Uh, surface uh, ops, surface ops center. Uh, you, what do you do? You sit, sitting down to work for your shift, eight in the morning, coffee, mohawk. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we actually work on on the rover time right now. So whenever I get there, uh, basically at 10 o'clock a.m. On, on the rover schedule. And uh, that actually moves throughout the Earth Day because the Mars Day is about 40 minutes longer. So um, I'm always showing up, you know, at the crack of 10s, but, uh, but it is on Mars time. 
And then we'll stay there until we get uh, some of the initial data back from the orbiters. So the first thing on your agenda, you're testing out software, getting Curiosity to update its software first, and then what's next? Uh, from there, it's, it's a little bit of now that we've taken the pictures and we've analyzed the area, we're going to probably plan uh, to do a few more checkouts, make sure that the spacecraft is, is operating in tip-top shape, maybe a very short drive. But we'll basically still be checking out for the first month all the, the various systems. Um, but then we'll start probably driving in earnest or looking for, for samples if we see, see them in those images um, to start investigating. Curiosity does a lot of driving itself. It's, it's semi-robotic in that it can do a little bit of its own decision-making, as I understand it. But you guys, I mean, in Surface Ops, do you have a, you got a joystick? Does somebody drive this thing the way you drive a remote control car? Uh, the the rover the rover planners or drivers as they're called they have some pretty cool software some 3D glasses that they get to put on and they can see sort of like the you know a virtual reality version of where we are on Mars. So uh, to, to some extent they actually plan the drives um, in in an area where like where we've landed where we don't see a lot of large rocks around us we can do pretty good straight drives. The the rover though has the ability to basically drive a little bit evaluate the surface, look for any hazards in its way, uh, large rocks or anything, and then avoid those and drive around them and continue uh, still down the, down the original target. Well, back for those, you know, it's tough times kind of at NASA now. You know, the shuttle program's been retired and it, budget cuts and an indefinite suspension of manned space flight at NASA. People are kind of hanging their heads around Cape Canaveral thinking they're not going to have a whole lot to do over the next few years because everybody wants to keep launching humans into space. But Boy, you guys have kind of brought the spirit back into this thing in a big way, haven't you? Uh, it's it's a really exciting mission for all of us, and I think uh, the whole public was uh, excited and engaged to see that landing, and, and I hope it's just the first of many to come. It was a picture-perfect, just highly technical landing, and everybody's all over YouTube watching it. It's, it's really, really exciting. You, you just have to feel great. That's so rewarding in itself that everybody else is excited because, you know, we're all, of course, very personally in, invested in this mission. But to see the public also react and, and be so excited about this, that, that's also that's a huge uh, feeling for all of us. I, I, can, I think I speak for everybody that we're, we're just thrilled that, that people are, are watching uh, this rover do what it does. Hey, Bob Eck. You know, you know who else got a different haircut for every mission to Mars? Who's that? David Bowie. <laughs> you're not the first, buddy, but we love you for it. It's great, and I'm really happy for all the attention you're getting, and even more important, all the attention that Mars Curiosity is getting. It's the most exciting thing to happen in spaceflight in years. We're with you, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Still alive on Mars.